Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastromonaco and I talk about how the old-timey sexism of the Ernst & Young dress code isn't actually that old-timey at all. Then Francesca Fiorentini joins Tian Tran and Kieran Deal to talk about ghosts, as in the kind that haunt abandoned amusement parks and the kind that haunt our nation's history. Then, as always, our hills. Before we get started... Some housekeeping. If you want to submit a heel, you'll die on record a 30 second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. And if you have a question about navigating a tough situation at work or how to make friends as an adult, or maybe you just want to hear our opinion on scary movies, send us an email at hysteria at crooked.com with your questions and we'll answer them in our weekly video segment, Dude You Asked. You can find that on Crooked Media's socials. My wholesome recommendation for the week is. If you are somebody who lives in a place where trick-or-treaters don't come, like if you live in an apartment building or something, um, and you really want to participate in Halloween and you don't have any kids and you also don't want to be creepy and follow children around and stuff, you can go to a school or community center and see if anybody needs volunteers to help hand out candy. I grew up uh, down a dirt road and we never got trick-or-treaters, and so it is such a huge novelty to me to participate in that. So, you know, ask around your town. There are probably places that you could help out and help kids have a nice, happy Halloween. Hello. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Erin. Um, do you want to hear one of my top three wackiest ideas at the moment? I will be the judge of how wacky it is. Okay, so here's my idea. Uh, Meghan Markle should run for president. Meghan Markle should run for president. Hear, okay. hear me out. I'm me here for it. Okay, so we know Ivanka Trump lives on her own planet, and on that planet she believes that she's going to be the first female president. Right. We've discussed. Okay. So the perfect opponent for Ivanka, who kind of fancies herself an American princess, would be a real princess, Meghan. And Meghan Markle is actually very smart. She went to Northwestern on her own, not because her dad made a call. And if she won, here's my real reason behind this. If she won, uh, Prince Harry would become the first spouse. And so maybe we could like Habsburg our way back into a sort of... <laughs> <laughs> like England US reunification because right now both countries are facing unstable kooks as leaders that are sort of weakening them globally and we could really use each other um moving forward to be like a united superpower exactly or sort of like a, a kind of hobbling middle power instead of two decrepit old X powers. So much better. <laughs> well, I guess that gets us into what I want to talk about today. Um, would you say that you're feeling a little bit more cheerful or athletic this morning, if you had to pick? You know, the sun is out here in Columbia County after torrential downpours yesterday, and I already went for my walk. So I'm feeling both. 
Okay, wow. Then you maybe have what it takes to succeed at Ernst & Young, uh, the accounting firm that in 2018 was giving uh, female employees a workshop called Power Presence and Purpose, or PPP for short. Um, what do you think this accounting seminar for women covered, Alyssa? I'm going to guess the subtitle was, I'm going to guess the subtitle was Business Barbie. Yes. Yes. It covered such accounting related things as having groomed nails and a and a nice haircut and wearing clothes that are flattering, but not sexy because sex scrambles the brain. You know, of of men. I've heard that. I've heard that too, that, that bearing your arms can be very distracting yeah. in a mortgage restructuring meeting. Look, men are the more powerful sex. Their only weakness is half of the entire world. <laughs> I mean, honestly, this, this happened in 2018. The old timey days of 2018 when we were telegraphing tweets about, uh, you know, various uh haystacks and stuff i don't it, you know what this reminded me of what it reminded me of when i was in sixth grade and i was in health class and we had like a very like retro exam we were taking on one of the overhead projectors you know where they like just like flash it up there and you write a b c or d on your little piece of loose leaf paper mm -hmm. and the question was you can get aids by and it was like Kissing, touching, hugging, using the toilet bowl of someone who has AIDS and all of the above. And the answer was all of the above. What? And my best friend, Kara, who was much more outspoken than I was back then, she was like, that's just wrong. Like the book is wrong. And the teacher was like, no, this is what Harper Collins or whoever it was says the answer is. And she's like, but the answer is wrong. And Ernst and Young's wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous because, first of all, everybody knows you get AIDS by not going to church, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. I can't believe that wasn't like option E. Duh. Um, but secondly, you know, you bring up a good point, though, that Ernst and Young is wrong. This happened in 2018, but this isn't an isolated incident. Like um, you and I have talked a little bit about your time in D.C. and how militant mm. and and kind of anachronistic the standards of dress for women were. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So when I became uh, Deputy White House Chief of Staff, along with Nancy and DeParle, it was the first time two women were ever deputy chiefs in the White House together. And there was a blog that used to field questions based on pictures that Pete Souza posted to the White House Flickr account about what Nancy Ann and I were wearing. Oh my God. And it was actually pretty hurtful because I was very self-conscious because I was like 34, 35 and White House Deputy Chief of Staff. And here were these people being like, she's so inappropriate. I don't think she's wearing hose. Oh my God. She doesn't have a blazer on. She's wearing a cardigan. And my all-time favorite is she wearing flats? Well, to <laughs> anyone listening who participated in that blog or or agreed with the feedback, let me tell you, I worked with a bunch of guys, including a president, who were over six feet tall. They were like gazelle landstriders, and I was like a hamster on a fucking wheel. And so you're <laughs> right. I put, I put flats on so I could keep the fuck up because that was more important. But the thing, that, the reason that I kind of took that blog so seriously 
is that like my formative experiences in Washington, D.C. and in government were in 1995 and 1996, when in 96, I actually was like an intern for uh, Congressman Bernie Sanders in his D.C. office. And original Bernie, bro. You're an an OG. I'm an OG Bernie bro, except I was always very nice. (laughs) And there was there was like this very interesting thing because people were talking was like it was, you know, Bernie's office was pretty liberal. So it's like just dress what we would consider now professionally, like pair of pants and a shirt, you know, no flip flops. Mm -hmm. It was pretty fine. But when you met interns from other offices, they had very, very strict dress codes. And it wasn't just for the interns. It was like skirts for women. And I was so confused by this that I did a little research that I thought was interesting to share nearly 20 years, more than 20 years later, is that it was not acceptable for women, for senators, for female senators to wear pants on the Senate floor until the pantsuit revolution of 1993, when Senator Barbara Mikulski and Senator Nancy Castlebaum were like, fuck this shit were wearing pants. And so they wore pants and the rules. So there was no real written rule saying that they couldn't, but it was understood that you didn't. And the parliamentarian after that um, made it okay for women to be wearing pants as long as they had, um, as long as they had a suit jacket on. I mean, and this was in the 90s and the Ernst and Young thing was in 2018. And mm. I was I had to get my car fixed this week and I was watching Strahan, Sarah and Kiki, which I just learned is a show. It's hour three of Good Morning America. Um, oh, they, yeah, I, I was aware of that. Yeah, they had it on extra loud and it, it did help momentarily drown out the paralyzing dread of being a mortal organism. But as I was watching it, they were talking about the Ernst and Young. Um, they were talking about the training and they were talking about it like, oh, it's so 50s. Isn't it crazy that there's a standards of beauty? Not that were, 50s. Right. But not. But 50s. also like you guys are on fucking TV. Show me a female morning host that doesn't follow all of the guidelines that the Ernst and Young training laid out. Show me a woman without manicured hands. Show me a woman that has spent as little time in the makeup chair as a man doing the same job. Show me a woman that is wearing that's wearing clothes that are kind of on the sexy side and not just like slim and flattering. Like you guys are part of the problem, you know, and and, and like, look, I've gone on TV before, too, and it takes a long ass time in the makeup chair. I was just on in, on CNN on Sunday and like they glue giant fake eyelashes on top of your real ones and your eyelids feel like they're getting buffed because really? they're so heavy. Oh, my God. But I digress. My my point is that I think that, as you and I have said, this is still happening. This isn't a 1950s thing. And pretending like this is this long vanquished problem sort of robs us of the opportunity of solving it as it exists today. Like, Well, also, here's a quick one. Here's a little historical fact for you. Do you know that in 2000, so 19 years ago, 2000, Hillary Clinton, first first lady to ever wear pants in her official portrait? Oh, yeah. That is not 1950s. That is recent. No. And like now. And here's the thing. Like, I like to dress up and I like, you know, when other people put care into their appearance, but the narrow definitions of what constitutes acceptable clothing for females and for males is very restricting. It also limits people's expression who are non-binary. And like, it's just, it's still going on. So like, let's talk about it as it's really 
happening as it right. really was happening very recently instead of being like, oh, ho, 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 it's so 1950s as you like. So retro. Yeah, it's not retro. It's not retro at all. No. Also, I, I don't know if you watch baseball. Do you? Like on and off. Okay. Well, I mean, basically, if a baseball game is is happening, you can get up and like run all of your errands and you can come back and the game will still be on. It's all uh, definitely there's I think there's a game that has been on all year. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the World Series is going on right now between the Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals. And the Washington Nationals are sort of this like inspiring uh, come from nowhere story for this year. And last night they got their first uh, World Series win, which is exciting. It's also exciting because the Houston Astros seem like they're uh, pieces of shit. Um, have you been following the story of what one of the assistant general managers did? I, I have, but please explain it in great detail. Oh, boy. Okay, so the Houston Astros beat the New York Yankees to secure a spot in the World Series. And after they secured that spot, uh, one of the assistant general managers, his name is Brandon Tobman, yelled at a group of three female baseball reporters who were at the after-game celebration, and he yelled, thank God we got Osuna. I'm so fucking glad we got Osuna. So I haven't been paying attention to baseball all year because, like I said, I just assume the game has been going on for months. Um, but Osuna, Roberto Osuna, is a pitcher that the Astros obtained from the Toronto Blue Jays after he served a 75-game suspension for allegedly beating the mother of his child. Um, so the Astros hmm. obtained him as a sort of depressed asset, uh, if we're going to be really <laughs> bloodless about it. Um, Subprime? Right, subprime. Um, you know, he Asuna had a pretty good se- He had a good season with the Astros. He um, he was pretty adept uh, at beating other baseball teams. Um, and he, but he didn't have a good game the night that Brandon Tubman yelled at the three female sports reporters. Um, it turns out in the reporting that the there was a specific female reporter that he was targeting who was wearing a purple domestic violence bracelet, who throughout the season, whenever Osuna took the field for the Astros, tweeted out the domestic violence helpline. And Brandon Taubman took it upon himself at that moment to yell the name of the pitcher that had just given up a two-run home run in game six of the ALCS uh, at a woman who was a domestic violence advocate. Now, Sports Illustrated, Stephanie Epstein reported the incident, and initially the Astros were like, no, it didn't happen. You're making shit up. And then a bunch of baseball reporters were like, no, it did. We saw it. We were there. Um, Taubman issued an apology that was like, I was just trying to support my guy. Um, As of right now he still has a job um but the astros are down one game in the series so that's happening i mean that's why i stick with that's why i stick with gymnastics except like that was fucking terrible but like (laughs) i was gonna say what (laughs) never mind i think (laughs) (laughs) i thought you were making a gallows humor joke and i was like "Ooh, Alyssa, dark no (laughs) unintentional. (laughs) But here's like, I think the larger point that brings together the Ernst and Young story and this story is that pretending sexism and a cavalier attitude attitudes toward women, pretending that that's, that's over is just a happy lie. And uh, we have to deal with the like less comfortable reality if anything is ever going to get better. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. Anyway, go Nats. Alyssa, do you have any toasts or roasts for this week? I have a quick toast. Okay. 
I am toasting Susan Rice, Ambassador Susan Rice, my friend and a colleague from the Obama administration, because yesterday on one of our brother pods, Pod Save the World, um, she called Lindsey Graham a piece of shit. Oh, that was awesome. And and that was I awesome. just like I was listening to the podcast on my walk and I just snarfed. I just snorted. There was just like everywhere. I laughed so hard because nobody really fucking tells the truth anymore. And if Lindsey Graham being a fucking piece of shit isn't the fucking truth right now, then nothing else is. So shout out Susan Rice. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I have a, a light, light roast to offer. Um, Let's feel it. Uh, I want to give a little bit of a, and I, you know, I know liberals get told that they are, you know, people on the left get told that we're always like eating our own but uh, I need to issue a little roast to Amy Klobuchar. I gotta oh, bring it. I gotta. Bring it. I gotta do it. Um, first of all, Amy Klobuchar has been a reliably good senator for the state of Minnesota, which is one of you know. I grew up very close to the border of Wisconsin and Minnesota. I had to get all my clothes from the Twin Cities because there were no towns big enough in Wisconsin close enough to have stores that sold clothes. So you know, I'm sort of a like adopted culturally. Minnesotan. So I'm seeing a lot of Amy Klobuchar since the debate. Uh, during the debate, she was taking these very centrist positions and she was uh, trying to attack uh, Elizabeth Warren and other people who are advocates for um, Medicare for all um, by saying that we don't know how we're going to pay for it. Um, Amy Klobuchar also has kind of held herself out nationally after her quote unquote moment as a centrist that can win states that, you know, Midwestern states that that the, the eventual nominee will need in order to win the White House. But here's something that gets lost in Amy Klobuchar's narrative about imaginary moderates that she's building for herself. Bernie Sanders won the Minnesota primary. Yes, he did. Bernie Sanders won in Wisconsin. And Bernie Sanders, the other states. Bernie Sanders, where else did he win? He won in uh, Indiana. He also won in Michigan. These are places that, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. Talk about somebody who is going to be the eventual Democratic nominee. We need somebody who gets people in those places excited. And I'm not saying that Bernie Sanders is necessarily the one who should be the nominee. But like Amy Klobuchar's representation of who she is, is directly in conflict with what voters in the states that she claims to be the voice of want. You mean in conflict with the truth? In conflict with the truth. Copy yes. that. Copy that. Yes. And so I I think Amy Klobuchar is a great senator. I think that she would be a great judge someday. Um, But as a presidential candidate at this point in the game, as somebody who is probably not going to win the nomination, I think that her kind of parroting of GOP talking points is not super helpful. And that's my light roast of Amy Klobuchar. I co-sign that entire light roast, that blonde coffee, that if you blonde, will. <laughs> the blonde roast. Um, okay, <laughs> Alyssa, as always, this was lovely, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you next week when we're going to debut a new segment that I think people are going to like. Do you mean when we speak next week on All Hallows Eve? Yes, Eve, Eve, <laughs> Eve double Eve. All Hallows I'll Eve. I'll be wearing Eve. a witch's hat. I'll figure something out. I'll figure right, something. Cool. Out. Okay, talk to you then. Bye. Bye. We have to take a break, but there'll be more hysteria coming up. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. 
Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. <laughs> five the, stars. No five, comment. 100% great. That's the type that's my favorite sport. The new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. Uh, I love these leggings. They are cuz you know like not everybody's the same. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I size up a little bit, but then it's it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring and I don't show, I don't show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. So you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to fiori.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And welcome back. From a table strewn with free books and candy wrappers, we have reached the part of the show where we talk in a group about things that we find interesting. I want to introduce my wonderful panel today. First up, actor and comedian, Tian Tran. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. I feel like I saw you like two weeks in a row. Yeah. It's so nice. It's really nice. I really love being here. Good. How was your last week? Oh, it's been very chill. Yeah. Except it's hot outside. It's so. been very hot. I know that's been a lie. Hot. Fact checked. I bought new jeans. Ooh. I'm wearing them. Trying to see if I like them. Can't tell if it works with the boot I'm wearing. But we're just gonna we're just gonna live <laughs> the day like this. Where do you buy your white t-shirts from? This is from and other stories. And I I love their t-shirts. Period. Hmm. Yeah. I really like the way they sit on me. Nice. Oh, nope. <laughs> sit on me. <laughs> I really like the way they, they lay on top on. of me. I think that, that's, you know, that's a good first pitch, first pitch for the ad campaign around these t-shirts. Up next, she's an actor on NBC's Sunnyside, which you can now watch on Hulu. It's Kieran Deal. Hi. Welcome. Nice to be here. Good to see you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What a What an adventurous week. Last week was an adventure, and now here we are. Another adventure. Another adventure. This town, baby. This this town, baby. That's my uh, Hollywood sm- guy. Yeah, yeah, my Hollywood guy with my <laughs> cigarette slash vagina. 
<laughs> that this person is, yeah. And finally, you've been hearing her Throwing interject. <laughs> My bad. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, on Hysteria for the second time, we welcome back the host of AJ Plus's News Broke, Francesca Fiorentini. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're so great to be here. We're delighted you're here. How have you been? I've been good. I got the stomach flu from babies. Because they're disgusting. Just babies in general? Yeah, they were sick. They got me sick. And I think it's a BS myth. What babies are you hanging out with? Sick. All babies. Babies are just like, um, they're like. They're little germ vessels. Yeah, Yeah. they're germ vessels. Well, let's let's transition (laughs) into uh, the topic of today. It's October, which means that we are talking about Halloween until the mainstream media forces us to talk about Christmas. On November 1st, <laughs> which oh, I'm not looking forward to. Christmas feels like wearing pajamas for a really long time, you know, and just by the time the day actually comes, you're just like, ugh, get me out of Mental here. Oh, pajamas. really? I yeah. really like the holiday season. I do too, but it's too long. I don't like Christmas music. And, and and see, we're already talking about it, which just shows you how colonial it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's infecting our Halloween it's conversation. A, yeah, it's infecting our... But our Halloween conversation today is about ghosts, both in a literal sense, if you even believe that they exist in a literal sense, and a sort of like figurative, more spooky sense, (laughs) Uh, ideological sense. Uh, First off, I'll start with you, Francesca. Do you Mm. believe in ghosts and why or why not? (laughs) Ooh, it's such a complicated question. Yes, for sure. Uh, I believe in ghosts, um, but I didn't always, and I haven't had any experiences with ghosts, but I believe certain people can see and are more perceptive, and I want every ghost listening to know, I'm not your girl, okay? (laughs) Don't come, don't show yourself to me. I don't want to help you. (laughs) I won't help you. But yes, people who are like a little more empathetic to like whatever they've got to sort out before they go to the, you know, other life and or complete death. Um, I had an ex. I have an ex who I didn't believe in ghosts. But like when you date a Latino, (laughs) uh, it just happens. Like it's just like, you know, Latino America is magica. Like, you know, it's just like magical realism. I lived in Argentina for five years and he had multiple experiences as like a kid where his entire bedroom was shaking. This is not earthquakes. It's like he there was a home that he lived in and his grandmother could see. This was like a crazy other story where she looked up and sort of took a step back, just sort of like <gasps> like gasped back. And she realized that she was seeing something. And according to her, that she saw a ghost of the ghost of the exact same reaction, which was like, <gasps> what are you doing in my dining room? <laughs> you know. So I, I definitely believe in the supernatural. Um, but again, I haven't seen anything. Do you think that belief in ghosts it was prevalent in your experience in Latin America because the word fantasma is so fun to say? Yes. Okay. That's <laughs> that's my theory. Can we define <laughs> ghost for the purposes of this podcast? Sure. What is a ghost to you? No, no. Patrick no. Swayze. <laughs> Don't put that on me, Tien. <laughs> it's a spirit. Yes. I guess it's a spirit that manifests in a way that people who are alive can register it. So something that is not of the physical world that somehow manifests in a way that is either sight, feeling, sound, mm-hmm. some sort, some sort, it, it registers in a sensory way. So it doesn't have to be like Casper. No. no. You mean like not friendly? 
Or yeah. like a full form. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like a hologram. No. It doesn't it, have to be like a Tupac hologram no, that then no. appears to you in full form. No, it can be like, I, I guess, I guess like a poltergeist, which I got really fascinated by when I was a kid. First of all, I don't believe in ghosts. I am the total opposite. I think that uh, most ghosts are like some form of vitamin deficiency or carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> I think that it's like there's so your brain can do your brain can do can trick you into thinking so many things are happening. Like my 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 ovaries can trick me into crying <laughs> over like YouTube lead-in commercials. So like chemicals within your body can like d- can really influence your perception of the world. So I do not believe in ghosts. I do not doubt that people believe that they have experienced ghosts. And I do not doubt that different cultural lenses allow you to interpret different experiences as something supernatural. But I think everything has an explanation. Mm. And you know what? I'm talking like the character in scene one of a movie about ghosts. Yeah, really, you're like, going to get fucking spooked uh, later. <laughs> but have either of you, has anyone seen a ghost? Um, I have not. Uh. Kieran? Well, I don't think so. Yeah. That's why I wanted a definition. I yeah. Was like, Do you believe in them? Ghosts? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I think. But have you heard someone you trust who you're like, this person would not just make some stuff up, be like, yeah, there was a lady standing at the end of my bed and my sister saw. Because, like, I've heard many of those stories. And are you like, you're weird. I'm not hanging out with you. Or is it like, no. No, I don't think I've heard no. those stories. Like, I don't have family members who are like, but I grew up like my, in England and England's real old. Yeah. yeah. A lot of ghosts over there. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, a lot of, that's a real old, a lot of old buildings, a lot of old stuff, you know? Yeah. The houses kind of smell, you know, it's a whole thing over there. So here's an interesting thing is that people who, so my, my, my boyfriend now, he, he's doesn't believe in ghosts either. But he's really excited that they might exist because for him, he's scared of death. So he's like, oh, that means there could be an afterlife. Mm. That's where I'm at. Okay. I'm at like the like, I don't think I believe in ghosts, but because I don't want to get spooked. So I hope that they're not around so I don't get scared. But I also am starting to lean towards like, yeah, there is, I feel like there is some spirits around and or some like supernatural beings right. with the hopes that like this can't be our, this earthly vessel can't be that's, the end. Honestly, guys, I feel like I'm alone at this table because I do not want life to be a party I can never leave. I want it to be over. Yeah, when the lights legit. go off, I want it to be done. So I want, that, yeah. yeah, and that's what, that's my response to him is like, no, 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 no. Ghosts, if they do exist, are like, they're having a rough ass time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just said Patrick Swayze, but that, what, like, that was cute. But I think in reality, he just wanders forever and is like following Whoopi Goldberg around or like a really a much less adorable psychic <laughs> who's like get out of my head you know yeah. and he's like no you know but I think that they're ha- they're struggling if they exist they're struggling they're holding on to life mm-hmm. and it, what's more beautiful than like letting go of yeah. life do you think that the view would be better if Patrick Swayze's ghost would possess Whoopi Goldberg today absolutely yeah okay yes <laughs> I was like, where is this question going? I know. I know. I was, I was like, I, I was don't like, know. The view. The view with a wow. ghost. No, because now he's dead and she's still alive and he could. <sighs> we miss him. He was great. God, she should do it as a prank one day. So I. At I, least Megan McCain. Just like replace <laughs> Megan McCain. I think Megan McCain might be possessing that entire. Uh, 
Let it go. Stage and cast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, let's talk about the cultural purpose of ghost stories. Like what function do you think they serve? Kieran, you mentioned that in in England, everything is very old. Uh, Why do you think that there are so many ghost stories over there? Well, they just have all the buildings are old and like Henry VIII. You know, they have like this, uh, (laughs) you know, they have this tower. They got a lot of abbeys and stuff, you know, that's why. That's why. There's a lot of old creaky shit in England, you know, and I don't know if you like I think it's because the image of in movies when you go to something that's that that is purported or made to be haunted, it's really got like a very like old colonial British vibe. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. when you're in those spaces, you're like, you know, these places are like very old. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of stuff went down. And those. the history, a couple of just to interject, yeah. since I'm the only one who is a true believer. No, uh, I know. I know. <laughs> a couple friends were traveling in. Again, this is all like, you know, you don't you don't have to believe me because these are people you don't know. But um I, my friends are very believable. And uh, <laughs> um, no, just like a couple of friends who were traveling in the South and they went to, um, they'd never been, never been in the South. And they were like spoken word poets and they were on a, they were like performing. And I think they were in Georgia and they were camping and they were like, all right, we don't, we're just going to camp here. And I was like, cool. Why not? I mean, California, we're like, camping's chill. In Georgia, camping is also in the woods and Again, spoken word poets, maybe a little clair, maybe a little like in touch with you know the other world. I don't know. You the got, vibration you of got, things, yeah. To, in the so vibration, just, you know, yeah. like take on a California monster persona here and pretend that that's real. Sure. Yes, and okay, uh, and they and they were like <laughs> driving at night, like a, like midnight, like driving through this campground and felt and saw like spirits and ghosts just passing before them but like specifically the weight of the south of like you know uh uh, enslaved runaway you know black americans just like you know i mean whatever like that that density of evil spirit Mm -hmm. and sadness and attachment to life they felt that and saw that like in their car so i don't think they got out of their car i think they slept in their car yeah, so anyway, yeah, that, yeah. that's that's nuts. And then, and then that might have just been like, oh, we felt a vibration of this horror of slavery. But the way they said it was like, no, 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 we saw yeah. real ghosts. Well, that, that brings up an important and interesting point. Because, Kieran, you mentioned Henry VIII did a lot of head shopping, you know. And in the U.S., we have a, a really atrocious history mm-hmm. of hurting and enslaving people. Um, do you think that sometimes ghost stories serve the function of reminding us that history like making it so that we can't forget history in case we were on the road to repeating it but at the same time kind of sanitizing it from the presence like or the present acting as though like this is something that happened in the past and it haunts us but we can we can move on we've moved on I don't know I'm yeah, looking at you, I, I think so. Just because, I mean, I went, I was also down, I went to, um, my partner and I vacationed in New Orleans and we went to a pharmacy museum because those are cool to me. Yeah, tinctures. <laughs> tinctures. I love thinking about like, you know, how surgeries were done back then, turn of the century. Oh, God. Okay. Very I'm alone painful. here. Oh, yeah. Uh... It's very, so, but we walked in not, no, we kind of were just like not knowing what it would, what would be there. Um, and we walked in and had a great time, but then felt like 
felt kind of like that there was bad energy there and then walked out later and learned that it had been um, it was one of the most haunted places in New Orleans. It's part of their like tour and that they had like um, that the pharmacists and doctors had used enslaved folks to test out certain surgeries Ugh. and or, um, you know, just terrible procedures like. Yeah. Uh, and that did not come up at all in the museum itself. But they told you that it was haunted. But then we found that out later. So I feel like from who told you that we were looking what when you were you were just looking we were looking it up. Uh, we were okay. looking it up afterwards. Okay. Um but I think like places like those haunted tours in the South that go to these like very uh, places where folks have been like harmed and enslaved and hurt, tortured and hurt. They just like I feel like ghost stories kind of gloss over that mm-hmm. to allow you to be like, "Ooh, we're getting spooked. Right. And, and and so like like you said, like a sanitizing of our histories in a way that seems like spooky and scary but not really reckoning with what actually happened mm-hmm. my experience like i just did halloween horror nights the cast of sunnyside went to halloween horror nights i've never been in universal universal studios right and it's like they have these mazes and then they have these monsters that like jump out at you in the mazes and stuff and then they have pe- people dressed up in the chainsaws so i really didn't know how i would react and i thought it was delightful i really I was laughing and like other people were crawling on the ground and terrified. And I thought it was very funny. I am not surprised by this reaction that you have in that place at all. It was that feels perfect. This to all me. track. Yeah. It was like, it was like, you're was like, like, are you guys union? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Was, well, I think, but I, I was thinking about like, why is it? It was like somebody would jump out at me and I'd be like, I was like, a, I felt like a baby and it was adult peekaboo. And I was just like, ha <laughs> And I was like clapping and clapping. I, I thought I'd it was be the person crawling on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was. But here's the reason why. It's like I know that like when you go into Universal Studios, they can't touch you. I know they can't touch you. I know that it's a lawsuit if they touch you. Uh, and I and like I've been in a lot of very dangerous places, like actual dangerous places. And so it's like, you know, there's not. I don't know. There was something about it where I was like, and I kind of joked about it on the internet. But I was like, no, no, no. But like. Like, I think having a career in entertainment is very scary. You know, I think (laughs) systemic racism and sexism Mm -hmm. that you face on a daily basis is like actually terrifying, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, monsters? Yay! (laughs) So fun. So fun. But that's like one of the rules of like ghosts in terms of in the ways that we traditionally think about them is like, ooh, it's the history. It's the past. It's people that got deeply wronged. I mean, unless you're in Japan where the ghosts are mega scary. But, you know, the the theory is or the idea is that they can't actually hurt you. Mm -hmm. They can pass through you. They can scare you or whatever. But if you're in Japan, it's like I was reading about Japanese ghosts in prep for this and it was like, holy fuck. Damn, what do they do? What's their, there, their, like, there is one Hanako-san, or Hanako of the Toilet. It's a Japanese urban legend. Okay, it sounds really goofy, but if you go to the third floor of a bathroom or of a, of a building and go into the bathroom on the third floor of and any to, building, of go to and then go to the third stall and knock on it and call for her, you will find the ghost of. Hanako-san, who, according to urban legend, was killed playing hide-and-seek during an air raid during World War II. (gasps) And uh, so, yeah, so summon Hanako-san, enter the girls' bathroom, knock three times on the third stall, ask if Hanako-san is present. If she's there, she'll reply with some version of, yes, I am. So spooky. Depending on the story, the witness might uh, see a hand 
a oh. bloody hand. <laughs> and then uh, Hanako-san pulls you into the toilet and you die. Damn. Whoa. That's why their to- toilets are so newfangled and like amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this is the anti-Hanako-san slash bidet. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah it's like wash your butthole or stop spirits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are the two buttons this you can button use. dries your butt. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've all been making fun of bidets, but really they have a very deeply spiritual <laughs> Hanako-san is just butt crust. Uh, all right. I haven't said that word since I was 13. I never heard. I've never heard it either. Didn't know that was a word. It was, yeah. Oh, butt crust? Yeah. I was really into that word. Anyway, um, <laughs> tweet at me if you as well were into butt crust. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but I think like the, the Hanako-san story is a good example of like the elements that make a good cultural ghost story is like some kind of trauma that happens specifically mm-hmm. in that place, some sort of like unforgivable wrong that was done and like the taking of innocent life and then the vengeance of that life on the people around. Them. I like the specificity of the directions. Yeah. I yeah. think that I think that what makes it something it's like go to the seventh floor, you know, knock on a window, but it's the third window from the right. <laughs> Anywhere you go. And you have to ask for her. The yeah, second yeah. one's just like, no, it's Marge. No, it's the third one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like that I find there's something very fun about the specific it's like Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Go to the tree and the the field with the tree and then there's the stones. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like under the stones, there'll be a box and then you're going to dig and you're going to get the box. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I <laughs> did you? That, oh, I, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, did you guys do Bloody Mary when you were younger? Of course. Yes. Yeah. And the Ouija board. And the Ouija boards. Yes. Yes. There is a book oh. and I don't remember the name of it, but it's got the word magic in the title, but it was a few. It Heard w- of it? Yeah. <laughs> magic something, something, something. <laughs> Did you say there was a book? There was a book. It's got magic in the title. I'm not a big reader. Uh, <laughs> no, but it came out a few years ago, and it, I think it was a journalist, or and she basically wrote about when we give up all belief in magic or the supernatural, like what do we lose and how some of these stories, and specifically she was talking about gnomes and um, fairies who, which, you know, people in the Nordic area in like Scandinavia, they super believe in that. People ever, I've heard other folks look me in the eyes and be like, oh yeah, I saw a gnome. Gnomes like babies, which we know they do from like dumb cartoons. But like she, anyway, so I've heard stories of gnomes also, but it was a nice book because it was like, yeah, it doesn't make logical sense. Yes, there's no reason. Yes, when you die... If you're not religious, you probably believe we all just go back to the ground. Mm -hmm. Yay. That's beauty in and of itself and magical in and of itself. But there is something else. Like, what is that other presence? What is that other spirit? And what do we, because we don't, you don't lose anything by being like, I don't believe in it at all. It's like, yeah, well, a lot of people have real stories. And I think hearing someone tell you one of these stories is like, yes, it's hard to put them in this like, you're a re- you had a vitamin deficiency, you know, right. category. Right. I, I think that anytime anybody pretends that they know the answer to something that we can't quite explain, that yeah. robs us of the pursuit of the real truth, which yeah. is maybe what losing the magical belief. So I have like one one ghost story that I can't explain that I, I swear there must be an explanation for it. But here's the thing that happened Uh-oh. to me, guys. Uh-oh. Here's the thing that happened to me. Was there a gnome? Because I'm still thinking no. about the gnome in my grandfather's garden, and I was delighted by him. Maybe he was your was friend. Also, gnomes and fairies can be mean, aren't they? Aren't they? Isn't yeah. the, okay, that's what I, I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. They're in Shakespeare. 
Yeah. Do a little reading. Oh, yeah. Yes. Every, everybody's nice and shit. <laughs> Wait, you have a gnome story. You have a I have a Wendigo story. Mine is very simple. Ooh. Mine was just that there, there my granddad had a gnome in this like oh. very beautiful British garden that was like his garden that was very beautiful on a corner lot. And uh and I when I was a kid, like I'd always like look out at the gnome and it was like, Oh yeah, he's real. Like there's something magical about like, you know, like he had like the idea that the gnome would like run around when you weren't looking, or like I thought like care bears lived in the sky. I mean, I definitely live like <laughs> a and then when I was on a plane, I was like looking for the care bears like the first time. Because <laughs> wow. I mean, they're like Whoa. you know what I mean? It's but like the I gnome definitely never live moved. A, a, a duller, grayer worse life now sure you know um <laughs> sure, sure, sure. so why not why not a little bit a little um, bit of a i want to hear your magic story okay so here's my my scary story so a wendigo is uh like north like a algonquin and ojibwa and like other tribes that are kind of in the north and like ontario canada down through minnesota and wisconsin they have this belief in this monster called a wendigo and the wendigo is a it, it, depending on what tradition you draw from the the wendigo has like D- big deer horns he's very very tall and super super skinny and like parts of him are man parts parts of him are like deer parts and he has got like very long like mm. limbs and the wendigo exists as a warning against cannibalism because these tribes lived in a, in situations where like during the deep winter sometimes they would be tempted to like eat the dead bodies of people that had past and a wendigo story was like yeah if you eat human flesh you become a wendigo Mm. which is where you can only eat human flesh and you live forever but you're always starving so that's the the story of the wendigo and the wendigo was also present in i think hannibal they used it because you know cannibalism and stuff yeah um so you know it's it's a super tall thing with like deer horns man or whatever so one night it's I, I had just gone to a party on the Indian reservation near where I grew up uh, with two of my Strike friends. Strike one. I know. <laughs> well, the, the the Indian reservation was where kids had alcohol in a yeah. lot of cases. Um, so Yeah, but you stepped on some shit. You stepped on some something. Well, I was the sober driver. I was doing a good deed. I was driving my friends home and it was post curfew. And so to get around in my town, there was like a midnight curfew. And to get around curfew, we were taking these back roads kind of to get around the town. And we are kind of on this windy road that goes along, like, in this very dark lake area. So what do you mean by a midnight curfew? You can't be—you can get sighted if you're a kid, if you're under 18, and you're out after midnight. Okay. So unless you're going to or from a school function or to or from work. Hmm. But you can get sighted if you're out after midnight. So anyway, so I'm driving home, dark road, surrounded by pine trees, very claustrophobic, windy. And— I'm sitting in the front. My two knucklehead friends are sitting in the back. All of a sudden, they both scream. And I look in in my, like, peripheral vision. I see what looks like a deer, like, bumping up against the mm. side of my car. Because deer are real dumb. Deer are really, really yes. stupid. They're beautiful but stupid. And I thought, you know, in my peripheral, I was like, oh, it's a it's a buck. And I tried to, like, swerve away from it. Mm. Um, and, you know, kind of in the chaos of it, the thing fell. And, uh... As we're driving away, my friends are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, my guys, guys, it was a fucking deer. I look in my rearview mirror, and as my red taillights are receding around a corner, I see the deer stand up and then continue to stand the rest of the way. <gasps> Shut the fuck up. So, How are you? Okay. So here's the thing. Here's here's When to go. I know. How do, how do you explain that when away? So go. A, angle of the taillights could have been like, I could have been going down a dip so it looked like it, the shadow was spreading. B, 
it, you know, I was going around a curve. I was like in a state of fear. I was already afraid of like getting cited for, for yeah. whatever. Um, my Aaron friends, murdered a dude. <laughs> my friends were, Aaron murdered a dude. <laughs> That's not how the Wendigo works. It was the guy was trying to murder me. If that was a Wendigo, yeah. he was fully trying to He's eat. trying to get so if it was a guy hey, quick with question. deer horns, with a massive rack of deer horns? That's yeah, not a someone thing. playing a prank. Were you, no. And then you hit him. This is just technicality because I believe... All right. Uh, I believe survivors. Uh, and <laughs> do you were you slowing? Were you like at a stop sign? And then or we were, how did it? It was like a windy country road. Right. So you had that, to go slow. That I was just like navigating the turns. There were no lights of any kind except for the lights that my car was making on the road. So it all I saw I was in in and it was also in the rear view mirror. So it could have been like. But in my memory. That's no, those what, mirrors are the best. That's what. <laughs> in my memory. Oh, yeah, I never turn around. No, I only yeah. rely on mirrors. Me the too. thing is like I keep I have a Google alert for Wendigo murder Frederick, Wisconsin. Haven't seen any. So <laughs> the Wendigo has apparently not been very successful if he is running around up there. But Do that you was have the- a Google alert for that? No. He- oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he then really you were like, doing. there was like a little, like maybe if you got stuck, snowed in, you would turn around and look at your knucklehead friends and be like, I could eat one of you, you know? Oh, yeah. Like one of you I'd eat. The yeah. other, you're, you're chill. Oh, I mean— One the, of you I would eat to survive. The rich. Oof. I, yeah. the, they were both rich. Yeah, were like, I mean, like the, the richer one is oh, the yeah. one that the I The richer one. <laughs> the less stressed out the one. Less, because, yes. the, you know, the Kobe beef, they play it music, and then they massage it, and yeah. then it tastes more delicious because it's less stressed out, and it had a better life. Mm. So always eat the thing that has Which is not necessarily life. the richer one. Yeah. That's As true. So just shown. money can't buy happiness. No, no. Find the one who's like had yoga, meditation, <laughs> and massages, <laughs> and massages. A lot of body work. <laughs> Eat that one. <laughs> A lot of body work. <laughs> um, so I, I want to go into the th- the reason that I wanted to talk about ghosts and why I think it actually is like a political thing. Um, because I think that the idea of things dying and then coming back is something that's like very present in the news cycle right now. Like, oh, whoa, look, we have this old timey racism. It's coming back to life. Or like, oh, people now people don't like Jewish people anymore. That's coming back. But Francesca, my question for you is, do you think that things that we've branded as antiquated were ever actually dead? Or do you think that they've always been around and dormant and we've stopped noticing? Do you think they're just kind of like, yeah. Do, are they, have they always been there, but we haven't been paying attention? Yes, the latter for sure. Um, do I think Jeff Sessions um, is like a reincarnate of a professional witch drowner from the <laughs> 18th century? Yes. Yeah. Do I think... <laughs> and he didn't even change Brett, his bodysuit. He looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> like Lou same Dobbs. <laughs> same belief. Same, yeah. yeah. But now he's in Congress. Absolutely. Yes. That's a ghost story. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Kavanaugh was like a Confederate soldier. Like, all. yeah, I believe in reincarnation. This is not about reincarnation. Um, but yeah, that's what's scary. I mean, I think going we talk about two kinds of ghosts one is the like you know my husband pushed me down the stairs and nobody knew about it and now i'm haunting this house ghost <laughs> and then that's like or you know the um i i need to like tell something the the patrick swayze ghost i need to tell something to the living that is important for me to move on and then there's that historic trauma ghost mm-hmm. um and yeah absolutely donald trump is has been put on if not by aliens, <laughs> by the by the other world to remind us of racism. You know, there's that thing in Germany where like they have a lot of um, 
like cornerstones of what happened, you know, like things are commemorated or bad things happened. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Either during the Holocaust or the lead up so that it's like you can see this town square was this or this shop belonged to this person. So there's kind of like a living memory Mm -hmm. um, in a place as opposed to just like paving over what happened. And I wonder if that like how does that I'm curious in in the ways in which that heals um, and like heals a nation to an extent through commemoration, through acknowledging, you mm-hmm. know, what what has happened in the past yeah. in, a, in a real way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when you try to ignore your own feelings and then you feel worse. You know? Yeah, I think I think people yeah. in America love a movie ending. <laughs> they love a they love a resolution of a story, and we love to pretend like, well, that's it. History's done, and the good thing the we the good guys won or whatever. But really, I think that isms like sexism, racism, you know, xenophobia, bigotry Ism. of all kinds, all the isms, isms and obias, yes, isms, isms, isms and obias. <laughs> For sure. What a good Mary Poppins song. <laughs> <laughs> Go, for think, Go for it. Go for it, I think it's sort of like, uh, I, I'm more on like you, what you're saying, Kieran. Um, I, I agree that it's important to have reminders. Like we need to treat racism like the Babadook that lives inside of our basement mm-hmm. forever. And we're never going to get rid of it. And we have to just acknowledge that it's there. Otherwise, it's going to come and like hurt our kid. <laughs> like yeah. that just seems like the way forward. Um uh, but I mean, I think for sure Germany has got it way better than the U.S. when it comes to reckoning with its past and um, making sure it doesn't repeat it. Uh, but I agree, like, in a small way, you know, when bikes bikers get killed and there's like the that coalition that puts a uh, painted white bike wherever the biker was killed. Have you seen these? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ghost bikes? Ghost bikes, yeah. right? So it's like kind of remembering that someone died here and also... Be careful and look out for bikers. Yeah. Um, mm. We should have that with like MAGA hats when this is all over. <laughs> Just paint them white and hang them places. Uh, I think so. I think so many of the memorials and things that we use to commemorate in in the U.S. like it is is framed in a way where those who are in power, like you know, white supremacy, is like celebrated for making decisions. So like to change it, there are so many statues where you'll have like kneeling Native Americans, like thanking white saviors. Mm -hmm. And the way that that's commemorated, I think, informs how we today still don't see that as like we've solved it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that sort of commemoration is is kind of haunting us because we think that those things have already been solved. And yet, like it's sexism, racism, homophobia is still a huge problem, has never gone away but we still give pats on the back to the people in power who say they have, like, fixed these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, nobody likes to acknowledge that the reason that they have power is because people who didn't deserve it suffered great injustice. Yeah. And this idea of, like, identity shifting, right? It's, like, one of the reasons that conversation is so challenging is because you're not just asking for someone to acknowledge someone else's pain. It's like if somebody believes, no, 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 I worked very hard and I deserved this, mm-hmm. it's like you're also asking for them to shift their own notion of privilege and then that's that shapes how you see your own identity and that's I think why reckoning with so because because you might have worked very very hard if you're in Congress you probably did work very very hard and that's that's real and also you probably had a ton of advantages over people in the last like 50 years especially if you've been in there for a minute right Mm -hmm. like so both the things can be true at once does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah I, I yeah I mean there's a in um 
I, I was an English major and I had this like I had this book like these books and there's like just a lot of like legacy. Yes, heard of I know. Them. I've heard of them. It's weird. Oh my God. <laughs> I know that you said I know you, you don't read. Yeah. Read earlier. Yeah, but um, pages, very thin. Glue. A lot of words, a lot of glue. Um, but one of the tracks was like, um, it, it like, so I don't remember the name of the tribe, but it was a Native American, like a speech um, that was transcribed by, um, by an American man. And it's one of like, that was a like, like, I'll bring it for you. I'll bring it in. I'll find it. I'll bring it in because it's at my house. But it was one of the most haunting things I've ever read. And it was really heartbreaking. And I was like, and I was like in my 20s when I read it. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I remember thinking this incredible, like, how is it that I've never seen, ha- like read or seen anything like, like, like these words? You know, yeah. about mm-hmm. the, the the idea of defeat and the way that, you know, you've killed my family, you've killed everyone, you've taken everything away from, you know, from mm-hmm. us. And, you know, and this isn't a victory, but I don't want you to continue murdering. Yeah. You know, I mean, that reminds me of you guys know about the ghost dance. So uh, in the very end of the 19th century, the Lakota Sioux in they live like in North and South Dakota and they um, they start there was this religious kind of cult within their belief system that started called the ghost dance, mm. which was uh, it was a performance. It was like a, a dance that they believed would cause all the white people to go away and leave them alone and stop killing them. It was How do uh, those steps go now? Cuz uh, I feel it, like we need to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> it was I remember being I remember being a little kid and my parents being very like when we go on vacation, Someone. we're driving, we're camping, we're going to memorial sites, we're doing this. I remember going to a ghost dance museum and being like, "Did it work?" And my parents were like, "Absolutely <laughs> not. It did not work at all." And like Chief Sitting Bull, who was one of the last like leaders of the tribe um, was one of its big advocates. And he was just like great, one of the last people to stand up. And it's just this idea that like they could bring their ancestors back and just get everything the way that it was, make South Dakota great again. But in a way that was actually like, let's stop. Like, can you just, can you guys just leave us alone? Yeah. Can you guys just leave, leave us alone? And there's something so heartbreaking, like Kieran, about the, the language of the defeated and the belief of people who, not even the defeated, the oppressed and the belief of the people who are trying to like make a last stand against it. Um, that I don't think that we confront very often in American mm. history. No, I really don't think like it's not in our curriculum. Like people, we don't teach it to the kids and the youth. Like we don't, none of that stuff. I didn't learn about it until like much later. And that was because I was seeking that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, the fundamental idea of injustice is a very hard one to mm-hmm. grapple with. And this idea that like, you know, good people don't always win, yeah. you know? And like that's, even the quotes that we purport, you know, it's like, you know, love always wins. Think about it. Always. Like, that's a fucking thing I see. And I was like, always? <laughs> love occasionally wins. I was like, always? <laughs> that's me. Always? always? And my voice just gets higher and higher every really? time I say always. Yeah. <laughs> really? Always? No, I, I think uh, in the, if you're putting it in this in these terms, America's absolutely haunted. Mm-hmm. And if you believe in that, right? If you believe in actual ghosts, making peace is how you let it go. Mm. And the fact that the U.S. continues to run from our past and run from our history ensures that we will continue to be Mm -hmm. haunted rather than being able to like sort of as, you know, in like Zen traditions, you say like invite 
the monsters to tea or like invite these spirits to come sit with you. Like all the negativity, all the scary stuff, like don't run away from it. Don't like shut it out, invite it to tea, make peace with it, see what it wants. It needs to be heard. Our history, our histories is how I'm going to say this now. <laughs> our histories and our traumas should be heard and like remembered and kept alive in a way that is respectful. But no, instead we are just we're doing the opposite. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're we are. Uh, yeah, I mean, as the old the old joke goes, you know, we built a whole country on an old Indian burial ground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which never goes quite well in. Uh, <laughs> In, uh, in every in anything in, yeah, anything. in every Halloween story, <laughs> we're just one long uh, sequel to the story of Halloween. Yes, or Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery mostly. Okay, this was a great conversation, guys. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, the hills we will die on. <laughs> <laughs> As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. And welcome back. We've gotten to the part of the show where we take really strong stances on things that don't really matter. It's the hills we'll die on. Let's get started with our listener hill. The hill I will die on is bag your own groceries. (laughs) It looks so entitled and lazy to me when people stand there staring at the heap of groceries mounting up (laughs) while the checker frantically tries to scan everything and bag it. While you're doing nothing to help, you are not too good to participate in this process. If there's no dedicated bagger, bag your groceries. That's fair. Agreed. Super cosign. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got you gotta. I bag my own groceries all the time. I do too. I kinda like it. It's I like do a too. puzzle. I, ra- I even put stuff on the conveyor bar- belt in the order that I'm wanted to put it like, Ooh, in a bag. Wow. I don't think stuff. that far ahead. Yeah, wow. <laughs> the lighter stuff and then the breaky stuff. But I, I've noticed, it depends on what city you're in, but here in LA, there's like a more bagger, grocery baggers, and then they'll thank me for bagging my own damn shit. I've had and I'll that be experience. like, oh, well, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I am a pretty good person, aren't I? <laughs> Like, it's so ridiculous that I'm getting thanked. Um, Okay, I'll go with my hill. So, there was a World Series game this week, and in the first inning of the World Series game, one of the Washington Nationals stole a base. Mm. And as a result, a nationwide taco chain is giving everybody in America a free taco if they show up to the taco chain on October 30th between in this four-hour window. So the hill I'll die on is <laughs> which the taco chain? Yeah, what's I think the taco it, I think chain? it's ta- I think it's Taco Bell. You yeah. get a free taco if you show up between like two and six p.m. on October thirtieth. Do I have to like wear something? No, you just oh, okay. show up. You just be an American. Why is that? Because somebody stole a base and they made a they made a they made a foolish bet. They were like, look, hey, promotion. If somebody steals a base in the World Series, then free tacos for everybody. So the hill I'll die on this week is that free food is almost never worth the amount of time you spend waiting in line. For free food. Think about how much you would demand to be paid for a job, at least minimum wage, right? Mm-hmm. A taco is worth like 60 cents. 
How much time are you going to spend waiting in line for that 60 cent taco? I will be personally avoiding it unless I'm there for the spectacle. But uh, yeah, free food, free food, not worth, no, it. not it's worth not, it. The line, they Absolutely. need a, a plan of distribution. You yeah. know, it's like uh, it's like Obamacare and, and Medicare for all. You right. know what I mean? It's right. just like health care. Like, how are we going to distribute? Is the site going to crash? Are we gonna have to wait in line right. forever? No, have carts, have people stationed. I'm I'm very interested in how they implement this. Yeah, I mean, you know, Godspeed, but I don't have a lot of faith. Ah, uh, Taco Bell taco? No. Yeah, no way. No, I would never wait in line for a Taco Bell taco. Not in long. not in the in Los Angeles. We're like there's literally taco trucks in every corner, and it's amazing. And it's heaven yeah. for the believers in our audience. While Erin was giving her hill, <laughs> the mics cut out. They did. Ooh. In the episode about ghosts. Yeah. Yes. I think it was the ghost called uh, Glitch. It was a computer glitch. <laughs> it was a computer glitch. Glitch or coincidence. Yes. Or, or Tanako-san. Could have been her, but I didn't even knock on the bathroom door. Um, okay, who wants to go next? Tian, do you want to go next? I'll go next. Um, <laughs> Tian's staring at a picture of a lady Wendigo. No, no, no. It's, don't want to make it sound like I pulled it up. Kieran pulled it up. Okay? Kieran pulled it up. It's a very sexy depiction well, of a lady Wendigo. Let's be honest, because because Aaron was like, I'd hit that. I'd hit a Wendigo. I, yeah. And then I was like, and then you're like, I might hit a lady Wendigo. And I was like, well, let's see what's available. Yeah. So it's in context. It's what not just like this? I pulled it out of my own brain. <laughs> what did you Google? Lady Wendigo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's she's doing a lot of confusing things. <laughs> she's she's doing me. a lot of math. She's doing it's like Yeah, it's uh, well, okay. Aaron didn't like the first one I pulled up because it wasn't gaunt enough. No. So I, then I yeah. found a gaunter one. Wendigo is supposed, supposed to be, be hungry. starving. Yeah. So oh, she God. She, she's definitely gaunt. She's she is, but they still gave her, like, really nice tips. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's my hill. Can you put it away? <laughs> Very distracting. <laughs> and not in, like, a second. It's just, like, it's weird. I feel weird. <laughs> this is, that's the weirdest I've felt in this room. <laughs> it's because it's the ghost it episode. It is. It's the ghost episode. And also, it, this, this Wendigo is standing with, like, its back to me with its shoulders back looking over its shoulder with blood dripping down its mouth and a huge boob just like <laughs> pointed back at me and it's like seductive but creepy and mm. gross everything's mm. wrong don't make eye contact yeah yeah uh, uh, I can't shake that image <laughs> from my brain we'll sage this room okay, after this thank you but I but uh, this is this is the TN I like look at this look at these emotions just running hot the TN is running hot uh, I love it. is it hot in here <laughs> <laughs> okay here's my hill the hill so the <laughs> So Charlie's Angels, the new the reboot is about to come out. And I noticed that they're all still fighting in super crazy high heels. The heel the hill that I would like to die on is that it's 2019. I would just like to see a lady spy in a sensible shoe. I would like to see like her in a little black dress and Merrill's. Like I just (laughs) want her to be all dressed up looking like so fierce, spy, 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 spy. But then when you get to your feet, she's like in shape ups. Like I want 
our Doc Martens. Our Doc Martens. Like, yeah. I want, like, a, a very... I, I would choose, like, waterproof Keens. Yes. <laughs> like, good <laughs> for the river when you're running through it. Yes. Crocs. Or, or yeah. just, like, really hot, cool Crocs. couture outfit. And then those finger shoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, finger toe thing. Those finger Slow toe shoes at run the end. Faster. You can run fast and you can kick hard. Healthy for the lower back. Yeah. Have you seen people wear those in real life? Yes. And they're weird. And don't they... Don't all... Everyone who wears those finger toe shoes, they act like they're the they act like they're the best person. They really do. And they, I hate they, them. They do. They do. It just seems like a bet. They all got involved in making a bet. They're like, we're gonna pretend. I think a lot of fashion is a bet. Where people are like, can we make rich ladies wear this ugly thing? I bet we can. And then yeah. they do. Yeah. Over and over. Mm-hmm. But I agree on the heel thing. I mean, I I, I can't wear heels. I so can I, I don't even understand that. And I actually think like in terms of I believe people who've seen ghosts more than I believe a woman who tells me heels are comfortable. Yep. I will <laughs> at ne- like any day a woman tells me, oh no, they're actually really comfortable. Bullshit. I don't believe a word that you're saying right now. Yeah. Tell me about a ghost. Hell yeah. Also, if she and, and if, if they were to fight in heels, I just want a little more reali- reality. Like I want it to be like kind of hard and they're like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. and when I run in heels or wear heels, I'm like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I want to see that kind of fighting. <laughs> Kristen Stewart, man, I don't so know. So conclusive. So co- I want to see that kind of fighting. <laughs> wobble, wobble. Kieran, what hill will I die on? This is a true thing. Dog Reiki um, <laughs> is a thing that no. exists in Los Angeles. There's about seven companies that do it. Not one company, not two, not three, not four. Not five. Yeah, I'm going to keep going. Not six. About seven companies that do dog Reiki. And it makes me understand why people in other parts of the country are like, they should fall into the ocean. (laughs) Francesca. Oh, let's do your hill. Okay, I was thinking uh, super, super superficial, but it's supposed to be. Um, Maybe you've done it before. Maybe you haven't. Wearing a thong to bed. Hmm. Never, ever, 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 never. Just never wear a thong to bed. I can't stand it. I think that's like some uh, something like oppressing you in your sleep. It's wow. obviously worse than wearing, not as bad as wearing a bra to sleep. And the women who are like, then it keeps them perky. Shut up. <laughs> that's not real science. Yeah. That's not real science. That's bullshit. Yeah, my boyfriend said it keeps them perky. No. <laughs> but also, like, so every day I pretty much have like two pairs of underwear because I can't sleep in a thong it's so fucking uncomfortable yeah anyone anyone else like right i I think you're totally right i think you're right i think i completely it's not anything that i've thought about but every once in a while if my underwear situation is not comfortable when i'm sleeping i will get up in the middle of the night and be like this cannot stand to like change my underwear in the middle of the night i don't i'm not really angry at anyone particularly (laughs) just just the underwear yeah but i will just say i think the feeling of sleeping in a thong is a feeling of either i'm like Maybe at a one night stand with somebody, or like there's a walk of shame coming. Yeah. Like, but why, a, if it's that uncomfortable when you're sleeping, then isn't it that uncomfortable when you're awake too? Well, I'm perpetually angry. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that about you. Okay, okay, cool. I only wear thongs when it's the last thing in my cl- that is like. I support that. Yeah. It's your fourth straight quarterback. It's my business. <laughs> it truly is. Yeah, I had to like bring, bring them up from the minor leagues to come. Would you be more likely to double dip into your laundry basket? 
you know, Ooh. and wear something inside out or, you know, one of those gestures or would you go? Have I done that? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, out. but the choices between a thong and a. And in a, in one I've already used. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done that. I've done that. I've skipped the thong and gone to some, something I've already worn, flipped it inside out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love how the last things in your underwear drawer are either like the most grandma up to the belly button underwear for me. <laughs> Usually I've borrowed from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Or, like, the lingerie with, like, the most uncomfortable, laciest thong that you never break out ever. Right. You you bought it and you're like, this will be something for sex. And then it, no. 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 It's either that or, like, breast pedals. So you just take them and you just put them. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, TN, with the creativity. You know, you just got to get creative. Okay. <laughs> Lady Windigo should try that. <laughs> Breast pedals. Uh, but I like the bag uh, your own groceries. That's the best one. I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah, too. I do too. All right. Anybody have anything to promote? Oh, I'm going to be in Chicago next week. I love Chicago. Yeah. So if there's any hysteria people, I'll be at Zany's doing an hour. Oh, that's an hour? Yeah, that's so fun. fun. That's so exciting. Uh, Old Town is great. I love Chicago. Oh, oh we both lived in Chicago yeah. at different times. But yeah, it's great. I know no one there. Oh, well, so I hope people come. The people there are very nice. They're very nice until like February when they get really yeah. tired of winter. And then they're just surly until May. Oh, I'll but tell all my friends to go. I've heard it's a great comedy city. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. That's yeah. going to be great. Tien and Kieran, thanks for stopping by. Francesca Fiorentini, thank you for coming again. This was great. Thanks to Alyssa Master Monaco for calling it. Gosh, we've got some Italian-ass last names. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, thanks to you guys for listening. There'll be more Hysteria next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Malconian for filming and editing our video content every week. Shop in Manhattan. Do you have a warm enough winter coat? What about your car? I'm selling it with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. How? I enter my license plate number, miles, condition, upload photos, and boom! An official cash offer from a local dealership. A cash offer instantly? Oh, did you call Aunt Stella? She's right there in Massachusetts. Mom, I literally just got the job. Not everything is as simple as selling your car with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it, kbb.com it.